0: So you'll never see my life. I'll be fair like you. You won't get no proof. Cause even if I'm losing, I will never be defeated. And even if I'm playing, I will never
1: let you see it. So I'm laying out of my way. What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters up-and-coming fighters and everything in between then this is the podcast for you now i should warn you we're not professionals but we are big fans of combat sports if that sits well with you sit back grab a beverage relax and let's go hello everybody welcome to the fat boy mma podcast i am your host dc and of course i got my co-host here with me lock
2: hey what's going on everyone
1: so today's episode, we have our, I believe this is only our second one, right? A second edition of uh, Gloves and Roses. Um, so for this one, uh, we decided to do a person that we've actually talked about before. Um, we he, He's come up a few different times on this podcast, but I felt like this is one of those guys that a lot of people would not know, especially if you didn't watch early UFC. Um, but I think he was very important to, you know, a lot of the early UFC in particular, all through that time where GSP was having his title reign. Uh, this was probably the the second best guy, arguably, in that division. And um, he's bounced around a little bit since then. Um, and I just felt like it would be a good person to spotlight and bring some attention to for some of the people that's nordic uh to m m a so today we'll be talking about john Fitch uh so John Fitch is out of a k a jim and before I go into you know any of the usual things I go into telling you a little bit about him record and whatnot, I want to kick it over to Locke just for. Anything that he wanted, you know, throw out there about Fitch.
2: So I really like this series. I know the last time we did Melvin Manhoof, now we're doing John John Fitch. And we're really, uh, I feel like this is a series where if you're a new MMA fan, you could probably, you know, hear about some historic guys that may be off your radar but something tells me that this is really for MMA dorks because these are guys that I'm excited to talk about (laughs) and I'm excited we're covering. And then I also, when I'm preparing for the episode, realize like I probably see why most people would not have heard of them, but I'm really excited to cover John Fitch. But uh, yeah, this is definitely a deep pull for the MMA nerds.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And you know, I, he never had the career like even as you mentioned us doing Melvin Manhoo for the last one you know he had a career of doing very spectacular things and it was great to talk about that you know some of his crazy fights and knockouts and him fighting big huge dudes and I think John Fitch is the complete opposite of that spectrum but just as important you know, he was one of those initial dudes that just came in with the really, really good wrestling and really good cardio and just control fights and beat people up, you know, (laughs) you know, he was really, if you think about it, he was the modern day or, or he was the old fashioned Khabib before Khabib. Right. And, and, um, you know, of course he didn't get the title, but I don't think if GSP was around uh, when Khabib was still fighting, Khabib would have gotten the title either (laughs) because, you know, GSP and everybody should know I have a love hate relationship with GSP, but he was an absolute monster and he would have been hard for anybody at any point in time that's held a title at 170 to be, but if you want to rebuttal that before I go into uh, any other details, I'll let you dive back in.
2: Would, I I don't know if there's any rebuttals. I mean, one thing I wanted to say, and and I'll just kind of touch on it because I don't know if this will roll into any of your questions later. I think he's definitely of a fighter of kind of a lost era because I think he was kind of a one uh, more of a one dimensional fighter, just as the fight was as the fight game was going away from that. And it's definitely something where I feel like, you know, had his career, had he started a little earlier, his, his path may have went a little bit different, you know? And, uh, and the other thing I just wanted to kind of mention too, is not your typical wrestling based body type, what we think of. Um, and I know we talked about that a little bit in the Max Holloway and what's odd is I think. And I don't want to say casual fans, like even combat sports fans, but people that maybe don't have an actual wrestling background that haven't spent time in, you know, in a wrestling room. What's odd is he's not what you typically think of from a wrestling build, but there's a lot more of those long, lanky wrestlers than you would think. And Mm -hmm. they tend to have, uh, a lot of them are real good at like a stall style, you know. I mean, imagine how good it'd be able to, easy it would be to sprawl with those long, you know, long ass legs and long arms and stuff like that, so. Um, not not when you see him not what you would think of out of your typical uh, one-dimensional wrestler type guy um, but it's actually more common than you think
1: yeah no I totally agree and um, I do think that the the MMA was going to something different and you know we've had one of our early episodes where we kind of talk about what we see as the MMA errors but you know I think if you can really hone in on something and make it such a big gap between you and other people, it really doesn't matter what era you're in. And I think that's a part of what Khabib showed. Khabib is really one dimensional, you know, but he was just so fucking good at that dimension. But um, go ahead. The
2: old, the old Bruce Lee. You you want to do you know a thousand kicks once or one kick a thousand times? You know, sometimes it's better to have one really good weapon than a whole bunch of shitty ones.
1: Exactly. So let's go into uh, John Fitch. So as I mentioned before, John Fitch is a product of AKA. He didn't start off his career there. He switched, I think, right before his first fight in the UFC or something like that. Or he switched, you know, a couple fights into the UFC. But that happens a lot with, um, you know, uh, especially in the early days where, a guy would, you know, kind of have a local place they train at. And then they all of a sudden either really want to get into the UFC or they have a situation where they get into the UFC and they want to step it up. But he went over to AKA and his biggest training partner was Josh Koscheck. And um, throughout his career, he ended up, uh, he hasn't fought in the last two years. So his last fight was in 2020, but he uh, put together a 32 and eight uh You know, career run, which is pretty good, uh, especially considering some of the names that he fought. And once I name some of the the people, even some of the people I name, a lot of anybody that's new won't know most of these names, or they'll look up these people, as we talked about before, and then they'll look at their record and say, oh, this person was nobody, without understanding the context of who that person was at the time that they fought, right? Uh, but he, um, he ended up going on a 16-fight winning streak. Uh, while he was in the UFC, eight of those fights was in the UFC. And at the time, he tied Hoist Gracie's record for uh, eight consecutive wins in the UFC. So it was a big thing back then. Um, ultimately, he ended up going 14-3-1 and one in the UFC. And um, out of his career, the bulk of his fights were in the UFC. He had four, 40 total fights. Eighteen of those were in the UFC, which was far more than any other promotion that he was in. Um, I mentioned earlier that he was a Purdue wrestler. In the UFC, he did have two fight of night bonuses. Now, once again, he wasn't known as this spectacular, completely put on the show type of guy. But if you like wrestling, you like grounded pound you like seeing people just get really dominated and beat up on the ground, then I think he was a a good dude for you. He wasn't going to knock people out. Most of the submissions he got was because of people trying to scramble from his ground and pound and him taking them down and everything like that. Uh, Once he left the UFC, he went over to World Series of Fighting, which is now PFL, and he did end up um, uh, hopping in a tournament Um, you know, I think he was about four fights in or whatever. He got into the tournament, won the welterweight championship and then defended two times. He was still the welterweight champion when he ended ended up leaving the promotion to go over to Bellator. So notable fights. Um, once again, some of these names, you may not recognize or understand the importance when he fought him. He went to, uh,
2: he went to PFL before he went over to BF Bellator, right?
1: World Series of Fighting, it, it, I don't think it was PFL yet. Oh, okay. remember that's who? Yeah, he, so he went over the World Series of Fighting. I believe while he was there, they made the conversion over to PFL.
2: Gotcha. Okay, that makes yep. sense.
1: Yeah, that's where he won the title at. Yep. Um. So notable fighters, um, that he opponents he had. Um. So he fought Shoni Carter, Brock Larson, Josh Berkman. Tiago Elves twice, Diego Sanchez, Polo Tiago, Mike Pierce, Ben Saunders, Eric Silva, Yoshinokami, Jake Shields, Paul Daly, Mike Powell, Wilson Govea, GSP, Nehemiah Gracie, Rory McDonald, Husamar Paul Harris, Damian Maya, Johnny Hendricks, and BJ Penn. Um, So as you can see, there's a lot of names on there. Quite a few of my name, any pretty much anybody that's in the MMA, even a newer person probably would know the names like a GSP, uh, uh, you know, uh, BJ Penn, some of those guys. But some of the other names that you may not know of, some of the really dangerous guys or guys who he helped derail their career, like an Eric Silva. Eric Silva was a really hot prospect in the UFC, and he really went out there and you know, really derailed Eric Silva's career and. This was coming off of a big loss that he had to uh, Johnny Hendricks. And, I, I, you know, he kind of felt like he was going to be that next stepping stone, or they were setting him up to be that next stepping stone to push a new up and coming guy out there. And uh, he went out there and derailed Eric Silva. Um, but other than that, he, um, as I mentioned, he's had a couple fight of the night bonuses, but. Uh, the biggest thing other than winning the title at the World Series of Fighting was him actually competing for the title against GSP, uh, which was a really big thing. And um, at the time, once again, as I mentioned, I feel like they were arguably the two best in the division, but GSP really showed in that fight how big of a gap it was between him and the rest of the division. So now that I ran that down, I'll go ahead and let you dive in uh lock like anything, any other things that I missed that you may, uh, or anything you want to dive in and say there.
2: Um. Well, I guess one of the things I want to say is, I mean, you see, I feel like he comes off as more of a journeyman than he should be only because he spent so many times in so many big name organizations, but he really had a lot of success in all of them. And uh, another thing that I wanted to point out is you mentioned he wrestled at Purdue. It's a D1 Big Ten school, and I looked. I don't know how accurate this was, but I had him at a record of um, crap. No, I can't find it. Um, but I believe he was like forty five and fifty two in college wrestling. Now he got better mm-hmm. as he moved on, but early on he he kind of had some struggles. And, I know uh, he does
1: a walk on, so that wouldn't surprise me.
2: Um, and and I know he was like a captain towards the end of his his career, and and I think that's a certain thing that, for one, Big Ten wrestling, it's kind of like when we talk about the Paul brothers, you know, being state qualifying wrestlers out of the state of Ohio. That means a lot because Ohio is is, is a big deal, so. You know, Big Ten wrestling is one of the premier Blasphemy. wrestling conferences. We
1: never give credit to Ohio, <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but Big Ten's a, it's a it's a huge wrestling conference. So even not having the best record, just being able to compete at at that level is, is really impressive. But if you look at his career, it's really comparable to a Rashad Evans, another Big Ten guy out of Michigan State, who also. If you look at his overall record, not the, you know, not the most impressive record, but there's something about it where their skill set translated well to MMA. And, you know, it just shows the difference where, you know, one of the best wrestlers in MMA history, GSP, never competed in an amateur wrestling event in his life. You know, he didn't wrestle in high school. He didn't wrestle in college. Um, and it's just something about, that shows you the difference between wrestling in college and uh you know pure wrestling versus MMA wrestling where some of these right. guys who is uh on the striking side Mirko Krokop was a good kickboxer, not the best kickboxer, but his skill set translated much better to MMA than it did to kickboxing. I feel like John right. Fitch was kind of similar to that in the wrestling aspect.
1: Yeah, no, I think you I think you make a good point and One of the things that John Fitch did was he really made his wrestling work for him. So going into what you mentioned about him, you know, especially at that time, he was considered a bigger, you know, a pretty big welterweight. Now the size that he was, he would be an average size welterweight today. You know, he was six feet. He wasn't a really thick or muscular guy. He had really slim, you know, muscles a little bit wiry, um, whereas now, you know, everybody in the damn welterweight division is between 5'11 and one, right? Um, but um, when you look at what he did with his wrestling and going into what I mentioned before, which is the blueprint that you see today with guys really being able to mix in the wrestling with killer cardio, and they strike just enough to get in, to go ahead and take a person down with cardio. And I think that was a big part of what he brought to the table. If you look at the wrestlers before him, that's not really what they had. If you look at a Matt Hughes, he wasn't really a cardio guy. He was a big, you know, kind of blown up muscular guy, brute force. You look at a Tito Ortiz, right? A lot of these guys that were the ground and pound specialists before him, it was a very different prototype, and I think what he brought in is what we're seeing now today with the, you know, with the Usman's, with the, um, the, uh, 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 what's his name, the, um, the, uh, Kobe Covingtons, you know, a lot of these guys that are, you know, strong wrestlers and really just have cardios for days they're not just you know they're not going to beat you up for two rounds on the ground and then just gas out right he was a big part of that I think his biggest weak link was um two things one his striking um I just think he had good enough striking to get in but if it was forced to stay on his feet or if he was forced to move backwards he lost a lot in the striking department. Where it was more him weaning things, and then the second thing was really learning to hone in different ways to finish on the ground. I think you know you fix those two things, and you take that same prototype and drop it in one seventy today. It's a really dangerous guy.
2: You know, and uh, one thing I want to say on that is you know how you said by nowadays standard, he'd be considered kind of a smaller welterweight, not smaller, but not large, you know, probably similar to a Colby Covington. And, and I think it's ironic because if you, it it shows a lot about body types and how important that could be Mm -hmm. because, you know, if you hear six foot one seventy, that sounds like it should be big. He started his MMA MMA career at two Oh five. He cut down to middleweight and then he finally settled Mm -hmm. on welterweight. But you would never guess that by looking at him. So six foot at welterweight. So that's very similar to a Kamaro Usman, a Robbie Lawler type build. But he was very different, a very different frame at that six foot 170. So it's so so people that maybe aren't that familiar You think like, oh, that sounds pretty big at welterweight. And you would think, but he he was built much more like a basketball player. than I I mean, not he wasn't that tall, but he had that type of body type.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest difference is the weight cutting. I just don't think he was a guy that cut a huge amount of weight. You know, he was a little bit more like a Diaz brother. And I think that's why he had so much cardio. Um, It's very rare that you get a guy like Usman that cuts a lot of weight and still has a lot of cardio. You know, I
2: know at one point in his career he uh, he was vegan. I don't know if he stuck yeah, what, he stuck did. with yeah. it or, or what the deal was with that. But yeah, that's the kind of thing that will give you kind of a lean wiry body type for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things you know, one of the questions I always ask in this situation is uh you know what would you say is your favorite you can either give me your favorite john Fitch fight or the fight that for whatever reason just kind of had the most impact you feel
2: gotcha um so i i thought you were gonna ask uh when when kind of uh John Fitch came on my radar or when I became a John Fitch fan or something. I thought that's one that we usually kinda go. That one
1: that one comes up too. You know, I got a line of quick you could go with that one first, (laughs) we'll grab this one next.
2: Well uh, I was just going to say I mean that's you really don't have to ask me that question cuz as a card carrier member of the wrestling elite uh <laughs> I I got a, I get the notification the second he got a uh, you know a, a pro MMA fight <laughs> and and that was the early 2000s so it wasn't even like a, a real notification I got like a newsletter to right. to, to keep right. keep me he- up on all the uh Like uh, all the wrestling elite news, flat that they have to stay up
1: on. You were in a, uh, you were on a forum. You got a, 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 the forum was updated and pinned to the top. It was a, it was (laughs) uh, what is a thread? Yeah, it was a thread. uh, Yeah, the the threads.
2: Which is ironic, because me and you met as MMA fans when there wasn't a ton of them. We had probably met in many a forum before that, unbeknownst to us. Right. Because that's how you <laughs> right. used to express your, your MMA fandom. Right. Um, But yeah, as you a know, uh, big-time wrestler, he was a guy that was kind of always on my uh, radar through his career. And I would say my favorite John Fitch fight is because as much as a fan of his as I am, just to be honest, has a lot of boring fights. A lot of long decisions. Uh, You know, he's it's his style of fighting, basically. Um, So I would say my favorite fight would be the Thiago Elvez fight. Um, The first one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, look, that Elvez was a monster when he came into the UFC um he was a scary guy uh this was pre-USADA era and he was destroying people with his what hands what are you
1: trying to say what are you trying to say there Locke
2: I, <laughs> I would never say I mean cause I mean Brazilian fighters they're that's not their style really so that would be weird to it's even insinuate that
1: it absolutely anything isn't.
2: like that but he he was a monster of a fighter and now yes it was an up kick from a grappling position, but just to, you know, see his career of mo- a lot of decision wins and seeing that one of his striking wins is against a, a guy that's feared as a striker was pretty, wa- pretty awesome. And I watched the upkick about 17 times today watching. Well because look, you could just watch that clip, the clips only like 5 or 6 seconds, so you could just watch it on a loop for a minute. It's pretty uh I'd highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, I think um in that fight um and this is where I think as MMA evolves, it's not just the 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 is not just based on new techniques or you know you these new hybrid of these new kids that are just physical specimens but the the knowledge of MMA has evolved a lot uh the reality is um in that fight Alvarez made a tremendous mistake he threw a really hard leg kick on Fitch who he already knew coming in was a wrestler And Fitz fell from the leg kick and he rushed in. Why would you rush in and go to the ground with a guy that wants to fight you on the ground? Especially when the very first leg kick stings him. At that point in time, you back up and you stand up. I'm not saying we're not going to the ground, but you're going to have to work and you're going to have to work through these fucking leg kicks, you know? (laughs) Well
2: to that when I mentioned all of the assets and what made Alvarez so scary at the time I never said high fight IQ. I never said he was a high fight <laughs> IQ guy. You no, know, he was a, he was a hulk smash kind of welterweight is what he brought to the table.
1: Yeah, but I don't think I don't think later Alvarez would have did. That. I think, you know, especially with his style and the way he did things, I think he was looking for that quick spectacular KO. And I think it was a mental lapse. And I think absolutely as soon as that happened, John Fitch took him into his world, took him into deep waters. And it doesn't matter if that upkick happens or not. There was nothing that Alves could do. He had his way with Alves. He beat him up. He cut him. You know, um, even that upkick, when you look at it, um, Alves had pretty much just gotten a reversal and got up, right? And he was only up on his feet for, like you said, was it five seconds or something? And it was like one up kick that got him. And then he moved to the side and moved in. And the other one, you know, took him out. And, um, but that was a, that was a really good fight. I definitely liked that one. And that early Fitch was the Fitch that finished more fights. If you look at his first, you know, four or five um, uh, UFC fights, he had some submissions and some you know different finishes in there um but yeah I like that one I like that one um I will say on as far as the radar were you about to say something good okay as far as the radar fits first came on my radar in during the Berkman fight uh the the first Josh Berkman fight that was when he first came on my radar um and there seemed to be, you know, a bit of hype around him, especially him, you know, by that time, he was already on like a 8-9 fight win streak. And, you know, coming into the UFC, uh, I want to say that was like his second or third fight in the UFC. Uh, but um, that was when he first came on my radar. And um, I really liked him. I liked his style. He put in a lot of work. You can tell he wasn't going to be a guy that was just going to go out there and knock people out. But as we've talked about before, I'm not the person, even though I love the Melvin man hoops and, you know, I love strikers. I love striking. I'm not the person that finds total dominance on the ground boring as long as you're working. I only find it boring when you're truly laying and praying, meaning the guys on the ground, you're not striking. You're not going for subs, anything like that. You're just laying on top of just the holding with. them down. Correct. But even if it's you're continuously going for subs, I mean, I watch straight grappling. So <laughs> you know how how boring could it be to be? <laughs> so I never found him to be boring. Just like I never found GSP to be boring. You know, go ahead.
2: Uh, well, I think in that Berkman fight, Fitch was probably the underdog in that fight too. I'm I sure don't know that was. for sure, but Berkman was coming off, uh, the ultimate fighter and yeah. had, you know, that was big at the time and he got a lot of run off that. And he looked really good in his first couple UFC wins. And even though they were guys that were similar record rise, I think Berkman kind of had, uh, he had the juice, you know, and everybody was on, on his yeah. side. So I feel like Fitch may have been the underdog coming into that fight too.
1: Yeah, I would agree, and um, yeah, I would definitely agree, and I would say that, um, you know, when I mentioned and I, you know, talked about notable fighters that um, he went up against, Berkman is one of the people that I named because I think he's one of those people, once again, if you are not from back then or if you just pull him up, you may not recognize or look at him as like, oh, well, why would you mention him? But he was a, you know, he was a legit, um, you know, contender, so to speak. You know, everybody's not going to be a champion. There's only so many champions. But champions are built on the back of contenders. You have to have solid guys to go up against to be a champion and to to, to show anything of noteworthy. And I think uh, Berkman was one of those good guys. He's another guy that went on to, World Series of fighting in a couple other places and, you know, had some success, but I definitely agree with that. Um, For me, the most notable um, or my favorite um, fight was actually the uh, Diego Sanchez fight. And the reason is because I think Diego Sanchez exposed him a bit. I think Diego Sanchez provided the blueprint for GSP to go out there and beat Fitch. And the reason why I say that is, even though um, Sanchez lost that fight, I don't think that Diego Sanchez, and this is just my opinion, I know there's other people that have a completely different opinion. I don't think he was ever the most skilled guy. I just think he had a will to go out there. He was willing to take punishment. He's willing to trade. He's willing to go out there and fight anybody. But when he went out there and literally just ran at, and the first thing he did was go to take um, you know, John Fitch down, that was really big. Um, and you know, he had quite a few times he took him down. He had a couple reversals and everything like that. It ended up being a split decision. Now, I don't agree with the split decision. I think John Fitch clearly won that fight. But I think there was a bit of a blueprint um, shown there, especially with John Fitch trying to fight move back, moving backwards and things of that sort. But going back to what we talked about in true John Fitch fashion, you know, he weathered the storm, he got his reversals, he got his takedowns, and ultimately every time he would get on top, he would hit him. He cut Diego Sanchez. He did a lot of things to – you know, show and prove and win that fight. But that fight I think was important because I literally think it became the blueprint to fighting him where if you can get him to move backwards, you can take him out. And that's the same thing that Johnny Hendricks ended up doing. Same thing that GSP ended up doing. It became that blueprint. So that's why I think that fight is so notable.
2: It's uh, it's what BJ Penn was able to do early in that fight.
1: Yep, yep, exactly.
2: And if if John Fitch wasn't if John Fitch wasn't clearly the bigger man and BJ had done any cardio getting ready,
1: <laughs> BJ doesn't do cardio. What
2: he probably could have won that fight cuz he looked pretty <laughs> impressive early.
1: Yeah, I think if, if BJ, you know, we've talked about this so many times. If BJ stayed in shape we would be having very different conversations about BJ Penn, but he had the gift that many, many people have. The greats are usually not the most gifted people. The greats are the people that got to work the hardest and they have a gift and then they work outwork everybody else, i.e. the GSPs and guys like that. It's usually never the person that's just fucking born gifted. And I think, BJ Penn was born fucking gifted, and that was his downfall.
2: It's the the whole Booby Miles scene from uh, Friday Night Lights, where they're all in the weight room and everybody's lifting, and you know they're talking about stuff, and then Booby Miles gets up to leave, and the quarterback's like, "Hey, Booby, you didn't lift, man," and he looks at him, he's like, "Oh, come on, this is God given," and just walks out of the weight room. Like the, exactly. the best running back in Texas at a time with Texas football was at a premium. And he's like, Psh, you guys lift weights. You, you need to, I just do my thing. And uh, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the, it, okay. Well, we could use the Booby miles example. We could use BJ Penn, but it, it's pretty common. You know, it's rare to find somebody that gets both there. There's a reason yep. that, you know, Tom Brady isn't built like Ben Roethlisberger. You know, like, cause it's, you got to even yeah. these things out a little bit.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. So, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about um, when you look at his career, it's misleading. It looks like maybe he jumped around a lot, but the reality is he spent, you know, in those early years, not like the way it is now, where it's just easy for you to, you know, have two fights and possibly get a UFC contract in those early days, you know, he's, he came into this, you know, you mentioned the ultimate fighter. He came into this and I read, I don't I don't know how true it is, but I read that he was actually supposed to be on the ultimate fighter and something happened last minute. And this was the ultimate fighter one, the first season, something happened last minute. And he basically wasn't, on the ultimate fighter. And he didn't find out until he was like at the airport or something.
2: Yeah. I I heard he literally got abandoned at the airport, (laughs) like just stuck there thinking he was getting on a plane.
1: Yeah, that sucks. So saying that to say, it was a very different game in the early days of getting into the UFC in particular before the ultimate fighter. So when we look at something like that, a lot of guys had fights in a lot of different promotions before they got to the UFC. But once he got to the big time, he only fought in the UFC, the World Series of Fighting and Bellator, right? And once again, I know it shows World Series of Fighting and PFL on his stuff, but those are the same promotion, right? And out of those, the bulk of that was, you know, almost 20 fights in the UFC. Um, So he really only fought for three big promotions, And one of those, he was a title challenger. One of the other ones, he actually won and defended a title. And then, you know, Bellator, I think he did a last-minute money grab. But that said, what do you think about the trajectory of his career? And, you know, if you had to, you know, quarterback it, looking back on kind of what he did and how things were, you know, factoring in, in his, you know, what he mentioned about his riff with the UFC and whatnot, would you have chosen anything different? Maybe leave the UFC earlier, stay with World Series of Fighting instead of going for the money. What are your thoughts there? So
2: a few things. Um I'm not hating on his career choices because I like that he was one of the early pioneers, of making a a long-term successful career outside of the UFC when a lot of guys weren't doing that. And I feel like he paved the way for a lot of guys to do that because most of these other organizations were like almost ways to get into the UFC, not alternatives to being in the UFC. And he was one of the first people to do that. So I kind of respect that. As far as his career in the UFC, I mean, I think it, it was right along. Once he got to a certain level, he... He only took on big names. I think the biggest mistake of his career was fighting Johnny Hendricks pre-Usada. Like, what one of the reasons Usada was brought in, and you know we've talked about fights, punches, uh, you know these kind of things that can kind of leave a little piece of your soul in that in that cage, and I think that big rig punch could be one of those things. And to me, that's why I don't I mean, you know, a couple a close loss to Damian Maya, I don't hold that against you. You know? Uh a loss for a championship against GSP. That happened to most of those people. You know what I mean? So career wise, I, I I don't hate it. Uh I just really think that Johnny Hendricks fight is something that kind of sidetracked it. And I think that even though I'm not a great great fan of Usada's, you know, tactics or whatever, I do like some kind of crackdown testing because of situations like that where one guy's a vegan, the other guy's juiced to the gills, allegedly, <laughs> <laughs> and someone, you know, someone goes to sleep and it's kind of you know one of those scary uh, Ben Askren type of knockouts.
1: Uh, so one I'll say this I agree with you and for his UFC career his losses were I mentioned he had three losses he had three losses in one draw 14 wins his losses were GSP Johnny Hendricks as you mentioned and Damian Maya. and at though at that point in time all of those guys were you know very scary especially Damian Maya. and for what a lot of people that don't remember Damian Maya was originally a 185er and he moved down to 170 and was a really scary guy at 170 Uh, but huge at then,
2: 170
1: absolutely and then the draw was to BJ Penn um, in that fight that you already mentioned in reference so Um, If we look at that, he had a really good um, UFC career. And uh, for those that don't know, just, you know, brief history, it really wasn't that he got kicked out of the UFC because of a bad record or anything like that. It was that they basically wanted him to sign a bad contract. And he didn't want to sign it. And, you know, he said that, um, uh, what was the guy named that used to be the matchmaker? Um, I forget his name, the really Silva? short guy. Yeah, Joe Silva, I think yep. it was. Was it Joe? Yeah. And he said, uh, Joe Silva told him, we'll just let this contract run out, basically, and let you lose, and then I'll sign you back for less money. And he basically, you know, said, F you, and as you mentioned, he went over to another promotion. He's one of the first guys to just say, you know, go over there. And that was off of, coming off of one loss it was you will he wasn't on a losing streak he had just lost a fight and that was that Damian Maya fight uh but to your your uh Johnny Hendricks uh point one I love Johnny Hendrix. um it's funny how it you know whatever he was doing or taking I watched the whole Johnny Hendricks story I'm really torn on I really think it was a a mix of things that really derailed his career but he was a really scary guy It wasn't just the punches when you watch that fight the way that um you know John Fitch tried to come in on him he took angles moved out of the way then he reset and then he basically from angles watched John walked John Fitch down and the very first punch he threw he landed and dropped Fitch and they hit him with one or two more punches, it was over. And then Fitch did the classic thing that we've talked about before, which is you know a guy is really hurt when they wrestle the referee, right? He got up and tried to wrestle the referee. He didn't know what was going on. Um, But um, you know when guys get knocked out like that, uh, my big thing is, and I learned this from Freddie Roach in boxing and him dealing with Pacquiao I really think when guys, you know, really go out from a tough shot like that, especially when they hit their head on the canvas, I like to see them take a year off from the sport, take a year off, regroup, come back. You got to let everything really come back together with your brain. So, you know, he took almost a year. He came, that fight was in December. He came back October of the next year, and that was when the Eric Silva fight happened, right? Um, so, but to your point, yeah, I think, His UFC career definitely went in the trajectory the best that he can do. And we know how it is when everything is locked down. You can't leave. You got to let that contract run out. They're not going to let you fight anywhere else. The only thing that I would say is I don't know how much Bellator, how much money he got from Bellator, but I think for him and his age and everything like that, the World Series of Fighting set up with the tournaments and everything and everything being more spaced out, I think was a little bit better for both his style and him getting up there in age, because they don't fight quite as often as some of the other promotions. Because of that tournament format that they have, it's not like a, the old school tournament where you're going to fight multiple times in one night. It's a tournament that'll last a year long, right? You know, so um, and by him being the title holder, you know, at that point in time in which he left. You know, he would have fought maybe, maybe twice, you know, in that, in that, um, in that next year. Uh, but I never fought a guy going for the money, so to speak, toward the end of their career.
2: No. And you got to respect if if it's for the money or whatever, he only took tough fights at Bellator and he did. All right. I mean, a win over Paul Daly and a draw against Rory McDonald's, those are. Those are big and the Rory names.
1: McDonald fight, was that was a title fight also. Mm-hmm. Um, Rory had the belt, if I'm not mistaken, and kept the belt because it was a draw. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, two questions. I'll combine them into one. And these are two questions I always throw out there in these types of things. A farewell fight. So one, if, if you can have a fair, even though he's gone now, if there was a farewell fight that you can see match up, who would you want to see him against? And then the other one is we know we always talk about the alternative promotions. We talk about grappling. We talk about, when I say alternative, not simply another mixed martial arts promotion, but we talk about grappling. We talk about bare knuckle. Is there anything else that you would actually like to see him do? Um, So two questions there. One farewell fight Two, what else would you actually like to see him do?
2: So as much as I'd like to give you a bare knuckle fight, the only guy I seen over there that would interest me at all is Joe Riggs. And that's playing too much into Joe Riggs hand for me to recommend that as a Fitch fan. So I'll stay away from that one. Uh From an MMA standpoint, I actually had a bunch of people that I'd like to see Fitch fight. So, it was kind of tricky to narrow it down.
1: Well, you can't can't name a bunch. (laughs) I know. It was tough.
2: So, since I would really like to see him fight Johnny Hendricks under USADA rules, but I know Johnny Hendricks is off being a police officer and whatnot now, so I don't think he's going to be down for that. So, I think one of the fights that we never got to see because I know they trained together, but, uh, I think him versus, uh, Koshchak. I be thought
1: about that one. An
2: interesting fight. Um, you know, stylistically, they both have the wrestling skill set to make some good scrambles, but I think Fitch pushed his wrestling once he had the top position a little bit more. So, Uh, from an MMA standpoint, I'm going to say, out of the ones I considered, I'm going to go with Koscheck because the reason, those are two guys that definitely would have hit the cage together if they didn't train together.
1: Yeah, I like both of those. Um, I actually actually thought about the, um, well, I thought about both of those, but I didn't think about really matching up fits with Koscheck, but I did think about it would have been dope to kind of see them, you know, see them go at it. But um, for this question, the, the Johnny Hendrix I like, and this is the thing, it's not a matchup we'll ever see. So it doesn't matter what Johnny Hendrix is doing right now, right? Um, but um, um, but um, for Johnny Hendrix the reason why I like that fight under you side of rules or not under use side of rules, because I think it's a very different person mentally. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was saying, you know, whether he was on something or not, something big changed with him mentally. And we know how mental the fight game is. So even if he did have some special supplements and got those back, I don't know that he would have the mental edge back and I don't think a guy like Fitch has, has ever lost what he has mentally. So I would still love to see that kind of matchup, right. Um, that kind of matchup happen. And the reality is if Hendricks is a police officer, uh, you know, maybe possibly he's not eating as much as he got in the shape. Now, it could be the reverse. He could be eating a whole lot of donuts, right? <laughs> yeah, because hey, I've police, never seen an out of shape police officer. Up, don't come after me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because that was one of Hendrick's big, big problems. You know, he just couldn't push away from the table. You know, he was a, a D.C. type of dude. But um, I mean, I think he know, opened,
2: like, a big steakhouse or something.
1: Yeah, big rig steakhouse. But just in general, he – yeah, it – I watched a lot of stuff on him. It was just, it was bad, but you know, if, if you're going to be that type of person, you got to be a person like DC where you can, you know, be round and just go to heavyweight and, you know, fight really big dudes and still make them look small. Right. Uh, Johnny Hendricks didn't have that. Um, But I definitely like, I like both of those. I would lean more toward the, uh, the Johnny Hendricks. And then as far as, um, As far as the bare knuckle, I I wouldn't want to see him at bare knuckle at all. We already talked about he wasn't the best striker, but I would definitely love to see him right now today. I got a grappling match too. I didn't get to. Let let me throw this. I'm not going to throw a match out there. I'm just going to say. um, Well, because I don't want you to steal
2: my guy. I'm just saying I didn't get to it, but I I have a grappling match that I want to see. I'm I'm not going to
1: say a person. (laughs) But um, I will say, I would love to actually see him go over the grappling. Um, it's still growing. As I mentioned before, you have, you know, multimillionaires now that just grapple, no MMA. Uh, with what they're able to do, a lot of stuff that got taken away from, it, especially big promotions like the UFC and stuff like that with sponsors and everything, a lot of that's still over in the grappling world. And um, I would love to see him go over there and compete. In some of these big grappling matches and, you know, still get out there, do a part of what he seemed to love and put some more money in his pocket. So now grappling match who you got.
2: So a rematch of an MMA fight. So John Fitch took the MMA fight, but I want to see just a straight up grappling submission match between John Fitch and Jake Shields.
1: Hmm, that would be interesting. That, you know, I was never a fan of Jake Shields. I always felt like Jake Shields was overrated, and I think he was overrated because I think Jake Jake skilled Jake Shields was a very skilled guy, but I don't think it translated well in fights. It was like he always seemed a little bit slow to me, like he couldn't get out of the blocks or something. You know, it, it was, something was all always a little bit delayed with him. But um, I like that. I, I was going to go with a, a fight also, but I want to see him versus GSP straight grappling. Straight grappling match, him and GSP. Listen, GSP's still training to this day. He still pops up. He did a recent photo op at, uh, you know, denahurs new spot down in Texas. He was down there training with Gordon Ryan and those boys. Um I think GSP still has a lot in the tank, but I don't want to see him back in MMA. So I need him to enter some of these grappling matches and tournaments, and I think that one would be a really big one.
2: Yeah, I like that. Look, I would like to see GSP for for what he did to Fitch. I think he should have to straight up folk style wrestle him, like uh, <laughs> D one rules. Uh, Fitch would tech follow him, <laughs> like, in the first round, I feel like.
1: Listen, that that is something that you don't see as much, but I think Jordan Burroughs is doing a really good job right now of trying to put after collegiate years wrestling on the map. Just like how most, when, when I talk about grappling, 99.9% of the time I'm talking about some type of jiu tournament because that's what it comes down to but Jordan Burroughs is still out there single-handedly putting wrestling on his back, having big matches, promoting stuff and everything that's straight wrestling rules. Like you go to a wrestling tournament and he's creating an avenue that a lot of people may end up being able to go through. Um, And, I would love but You could mix it. like
2: a Gable Stevenson in there with them and mm-hmm. uh, put together a little, uh, some depth to a card. That could be something that could bring some eyes to it.
1: Yeah, I think so. And this is the thing too. And it, it, of course, as we know, I love one, um, one championships. And one of the things that they did for the blueprint, in my opinion, is allow for all types of shit under your banner. So, for example, these same spots out here that are doing pure, let's say, pure no-gi submission only. It would be nothing for them to throw in a couple of wrestling matches, right? The same way that now one has, you know, one has uh, grappling, you know, BJJ and they have BJJ champions under the one banner with all the other shit that they have. I don't think in today's combat sports, you have to just have one thing because I think there's a lot of people that may want to see some of these other things where you can mix these things in and make it exciting, especially if you put together a good enough card and with the right names and matchups that people want to see.
2: I I agree. And I, I, Well, and I continue, I will continue to make fun of you for it, but I always like to fuck with you about your insistence on trying to push grappling matches. But, yeah, all different styles of fighting are starting to get the run, and I think a lot of that's to the internet, you know, because a niche isn't a niche. If you get to pick out of the, you know, if you can take, you know, cast your net to the whole world, all of a sudden anything can become pretty big. And, yeah, you're seeing a lot of different individual skill sets. Uh, What one is doing is awesome. Uh, I just seen, ah, shit, Uh, that Darth Rigatoni, Mikey or whatever. uh, I just, I just seen him calling out somebody and I forgot who it was.
1: DJ. He's trying to do a mixed rules match with DJ.
2: No, he he was calling somebody else out. Uh, I I shouldn't even bring it up because I can't think of who it is. I'll let you know. This is great pod. I'll tell you later so that we can (laughs) not share it with the podcast audience. But I I just seen it.
1: He did call somebody else out um, specifically for grappling. But before that, before his last match that he just had, he called out DJ. And then after the match, when he was given the belt, they asked him about it. And he mentioned again, he was like, well, no, I'm not really calling out DJ. It's more, it would be an honor to share the cage with him. And I'm pretty sure we can put together some, some type of, mixed grappling rules or something like that but you're right it was somebody else he called out also I don't remember who it was though Um, I know that um, Gary Tonin is over there but I don't think that's who he called out for some reason Uh, but I know he's over at one but um, yeah you know and that's the thing about it there's so many different things that you can do and put on and as you said because of the internet and because everything's so niche and you don't need a lot of fans for something to go crazy. Um, you have so much of this, I think, that's popping up right now. Um, but, yeah, I think that will work. And um, were you able to locate who he called out?
2: Nah, I was looking. I, I can't find it.
1: Yeah, no worries. But, um, but yeah, overall, I think um, John Fitch, I think there's a lot of fights A lot of the ones that we named, you can go back and watch. If you want to see kind of the prototype as we talked about with that wrestler with good ground and pound, doing a lot of work when he gets people down, he's not going to gas out. He'll beat you up for five rounds. If you want to see that type of stuff and see kind of that early prototype, go back and watch those fights. But if you're looking for something where a guy's just going to go out there and knock people out, stuff like that, Fitch is probably not your guy, but I think he's definitely a person that was really good for the sport, especially at the time in the UFC. He was one of those people that really carried the torch to create situation, create things that allowed for us to judge GSP as being great. When you see a guy like him go out there and completely dominate people wrestling and do whatever they want to do, whatever he wants to people. And then you'd see GSP go out there and completely reverse that on him. Then you can say, oh, I understand the skill level of GSP. Right. And then as we talked about him going out there and having success in other promotions, I think is a big thing. That's the reason why he needs his flowers and shows like this, why we have to, you know, talk about a guy like John Fitch, because he would be quickly forgotten as if, his contributions were not meaningful to the sport. And I think they were very meaningful. Anything else from you before we get ready to wrap it up?
2: Well, last thing on that, I agree with everything you said. I just want to say, like I mentioned, I feel like he was a guy whose style was kind of between stuck in between generations. I feel like if he's a guy that got his career started, not because of his age, he got started at the appropriate time. I mean, if it was at a, you know, a different timeline by, you know, even like three to five years, I really think that, you know, he could have potentially had a Matt Hughes type career because I think he had the skill set to do it. Um, I just think he hit the highest level at a time where you had to be a little bit more diverse and, you know, he was a little late to the game to that, but really impressive career that he still brought out of it. And as you're going through it, like you said, you know, you go through the list of even those eight losses, all, all high-end fighters.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, everybody. So that wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Um, look for many more of these. I really like this series. I know Locke really likes this series. And for anybody that's kind of newer to MMA, this is a series to give you some people to go out there and watch. And then if you don't know what fights to watch or whatever else, we throw out some of our favorite fights there for you. So thank you for coming. Listen again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links. Dot fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.